Broadcast television stations and networks do what are called public service announcements. I think it's actually the law that they have to do that to retain their broadcasting license. So every now and then you will see something that's marked as what is sometimes called a PSA, a public service Announcements. They look a little bit like a commercial, uh, but they're not advertising anything, at least directly. They kind of try to slip that in there sideways uh, sometimes. But the purpose, at least the express purpose, is to educate people about important issues. Now, one of my favorite public service announcements, announcements goes way back to the old schoolhouse rock days. Anybody remember those? Yeah, there's a few of you out there that remember the schoolhouse rocks. I still remember how a bill becomes a law, but uh, that was always one of my favorite uh, public service announcements. But more recently, there's another network that has a public service announcement. They actually have several of them. They're in a series, but they have the tagline, the more you know, and they're short commercial length segments that, that have a famous athlete or, or actors describing the importance of good nutrition or being nice to each other or whatever they happen to be talking about, all followed by the tagline, the more you know. Well, it's not a public service announcement, but Psalms 119.7 could be paraphrased with that same statement, the more you know. The more the psalmist knew about the Word of God, the more something very significant happened in his life. And I think you'll find the same thing. The more you know about God's Word, the more this same very significant thing will happen in your life as well. What is it? Well, let's take a look in Psalms 119, verse 7. I will praise you with an upright heart as... I learn your righteous laws. (laughs) The more we know about God's Word, the more we want to worship Him. God's Word has an impact on our worship. Now that may sound like an obvious statement, and maybe it is. But the psalmist recognized how profound that truth is. The more he learned about God's Word, the more he wanted to worship God. So he declares, I will praise you with an upright heart. Now the psalmist doesn't mean that his heart's perfect. He he, he knows that it's not. He uses a different word than the word that he uses for God at the end of this verse. The, the word that he, he uses here for an upright heart, it means a, a, an honest heart or a sincere heart. He's convinced. There's no doubt in his mind. There's no question about it. The more he studies God's word. The more he looks into the scripture, the more he reads the Bible and allows it to permeate his life, the more convinced he becomes that God's promises are absolutely sure, completely accurate. Without any reservation, he declares that he has found the truth. No doubt the psalmist had found that true in in the life of the nation of Israel. He looked back in the history of their nation as it was recorded in the Scripture, and he saw in the times that they were living for the Lord, God protected them, God blessed them. In the times that they weren't living according to God's law, 
things started to fall apart. He saw that in the history of his own nation. He discovered the validity of what God had told the people of Israel. In Deuteron- or what Moses had told the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8. There Moses told the people, And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? God's commandments to his people were like nothing else. His word was something the world had never seen before. The more the psalmist studied God's word, the more he realized how unique it truly was. How different it was than all the laws of men. He saw the power of God's word. He saw the promise of God's word. Every time. Nothing else in this world even came close. And no doubt, the psalmist found this true not only in the history of the nation of Israel, he found it true in his own life too. David mentions the same thing in his psalm. Psalm 40 verse 5 says, Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. The things that God has done are verified in history. We look at the history of the nation of Israel. We look at the history of the nation of the world. And everything that God has said, it proves to be absolutely true. We look at our own lives and see the same thing. That everything that God has said, it's absolutely true. Every time. Which brings us back to the importance of knowing God's Word, of studying God's Word, of making God's Word a part of our our daily life. Because the more we do that, the more we make God's Word a part of us, the more we realize that everything that God's put in His Word is absolutely true. And the power of that realization is life-changing. There's an old saying, knowledge is power. I guess it depends on the knowledge. <laughs> I know how to use WordStar. Does anybody even know what WordStar is? Oh, we have some WordStar aficionados in here. That WordStar was one of the original computer word processing programs. I, I got it when I got my old IBM PC. <laughs> In fact, half of the sermons that I have written in my life were typed out in WordStar, which is a slight problem because WordStar no longer exists. Everybody uses Microsoft Word or some other kind of software that isn't 25 years out of date. Knowledge may be power, but obsolete knowledge is pretty useless. Some people... Look at the Bible that way. They say, well, yeah, in its time, the Bible was a good thing. Had some good information. Maybe even was helpful. But not for today. They see the Bible as obsolete. But that would be a critical mistake. The psalmist writing the 119th Psalm, he knew better. 
What convinced him? What, what gave him this conviction that God's Word was, was so unique, that God's Word was so amazing, that God's Word was absolutely true, that God's Word was life-changing? What gave him that conviction? Well, studying God's Word gave him that conviction. That makes it imperative that as believers, we study God's Word. That's what we're doing here this morning. That's a good thing. But it needs to go farther than just what we're doing today. We have small group Bible studies, and I assure you they will meet again. I, I know they will. <laughs> but we have small group Bible studies every Sunday morning that is not iced over at 945. And that's one of the main reasons why we do that, because we recognize how significant it is for us to gather together and dig into God's Word together. In reality, though, it needs to go even deeper than that. We, we need the study of God's Word that we have in a corporate worship. We need the study of God's Word that we gain from a small group experience. And we need to study the Bible ourselves. To be involved in a, in a personal time of, of allowing God's Word to speak to us directly. Rick Warren's written a book called 12 Dynamic Bible Study Methods. It gives some, some hints on, on some ways to study the Bible. And again, if you're using the, the version little app on our events page, this, it, we've got a little explanation of some of these there. You can take a look at that. But I'm just going to name four of, four of them for you. I won't go through all 12. Uh, one method is called the devotional method. Uh, this is one that probably you're familiar with. It, it basically is just reading the Bible and allowing it to speak to your life. Just reading the Scripture and trying to think, well, well, how does this apply to me? How can I actually go out and, and live this? So that, that's a simple and yet very effective way to study the Bible, the devotional method. Second method called the biographical method. In this method, you study the life of an individual in the Bible. Maybe Joseph or Mary. Or Matthew. Or, or just pick a character that, that interests you. And then find all the different places in the scripture where that individual is mentioned. Now, if you're watching the companion videos that we, we have with this series, in, in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a, a section that's going to describe how you can use some very useful Bible tools to help you do this, to find all the verses in the Bible that talk about an individual, or find all the passages in the Bible that describe an individual. Some easy ways to do that. But you, you look through and, and read about that individual in the Bible, and then try to discern why was this person's spiritual life successful? Or there are also some people in the Bible whose lives weren't successful spiritually, and you can take a look at why they weren't. And then try to figure out, well, what does that mean for me? How can I follow the example of this person if they were spiritually successful? Or how can I avoid the mistakes that they made if they weren't? The biographical method can be a wonderful way to study God's Word. Another method is the topical method. This is a similar method, but instead of looking at one person, you pick a topic like prayer or missions or evangelism. And you just pick a topic that interests you and then go through the Scripture and, and find all of the passages that are in one book of the Bible, or you can look at all the passages in the New Testament or all the passages in the Old Testament, or if you're just really up to some good study, you can look through the entire Bible and find all the passages that talk about that topic. And again, find the ways that what you learn can be applied to your life, how, how you can increase your prayer life by what you find out about what the Bible says about prayer. 
The topical method can be a handy method to study the Bible. One more, the verse-by-verse method. Again, this is one that you're probably familiar with, but it's a very effective tool. To take a passage of the Scripture and then verse-by-verse try to discern the meaning of that passage. And then again, finding a way to apply that to your life. That's just four of twelve, and there actually are many more beyond that. Uh, if you're using the Uversion app, there actually are several different Bible study methods that are listed there, and you can take a look at those. There's lots of other places where you can find ways to, to study God's Word. Find those ways that will help you. Find those methods that you find useful or interesting, and, and try to vary it from time to time. Try to find some different ways to study God's Word, to take a, a different look at the Scripture. Because the more you know God's Word, something's going to happen. Something amazing, something wonderful, something very, very significant. The more you know God's Word, the more you're going to want to worship Him. One of the reasons why is the more that we study God's Word, the the better we know ourselves. Someone has compared the Bible to a mirror. That when we look at God's Word, it reveals not only God's law and command, but it shows us who we really are. The writer of Psalm 119 puts it this way in verse 8. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Now, the psalmist is not suggesting here that somehow God is going to leave him abandoned. The the word for utterly, as it's translated here in verse 8, it's a word that means outside of the ordinary. Now, the ordinary for God is very, very different than the ordinary for us. In in the ordinary for us, in the day-to-day for us, people disappoint us all the time. In fact, everyone we know has disappointed us at some level, somewhere along the line. That's ordinary for us. We're kind of used to that. In fact, we kind of build up some walls to protect ourselves from that. That's ordinary for us. Not ordinary for God. Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Maybe the Living Bible's paraphrase of Psalm 119.8 is helpful here. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. When I learned how to water ski, my uncle was driving the boat. Now, if you've never water skied, you may not understand this particular illustration. Or even if you have water skied, you may not understand this illustration. But no matter what I did, I could not get up on those skis. I went in the water, I went under the water, I went over the water, but for some reason I could not get up on the water with the skis still connected to my feet. My uncle would call it, okay, I'm starting the boat, and he'd rev it up. I'd be hanging on to the little handle thing, and there the boat would start, and all the slack would come out of the rope, and it'd start pulling me, and I'd get about 20 feet, and down I'd go. 
And then my, my uncle had to circle the boat all the way around, collect the skis from wherever they blew off of my feet, and then come back and give them back to me, and we try again. Twenty-five times. <laughs> Same thing. I'm starting the boat. Start up and 20 feet, down I'd go. Now, I was thinking, you know, 25 times, that, that's a pretty good try. <laughs> I gave it my best shot. I'm just not a water skier. And I was ready to get back in the boat. But my uncle had taught his five kids how to ski, and he looked down and he says, no, let, let's try one more time. I'm not going to give up till I get you up on those skis. And attempt number 26 was the charm. Was it the best form? The X Games were not going to be calling me to come and join in. But I was skiing, at least my bow-legged version of it. The psalmist had seen the value of God's Word. The more he knew God's Word, the more he wanted to worship God. And as we saw last week, the more he knows God's Word, the more he realizes how many times he has failed, how far he was from what God's ideal was for his life. He realized his own sinfulness, one of the things that God's Word did for him. Like a mirror, it showed him those places where he fell short. And so now he calls out in prayer, Don't give up on me, Lord. And as he calls out to the Lord, God's promise rings clear. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's what studying God's Word does for us. It reveals the things that we need to change in life. It reveals those areas where we fall short of the perfection of God. But it also reveals the extraordinary faithfulness of God. He won't give up on you. That's worth studying the Bible to find out. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. For You have given us such an extraordinary picture of who You are. Of Your command for us. Of who we are. God, this morning, help us to commit ourselves to studying Your Word. To being people of the book. To making Your Word a part of every day of our life. God, that leads us to worship You. The more we know about You, the more we want to praise You. And God, as we praise You, the more we realize this extraordinary promise that You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will never give up on us. Thank you for that extraordinary promise. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.